Recording in progress. Why does it talk like that, man? That's so fucking weird. I think it was ever since that uh, politician got caught jerking off in a Zoom meeting. Yeah, no now kidding. They have to, now they have to let you know that it's being recorded. Thank God. Well, I guess that's the intro. Oh, hi, Mark. Hey, 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 what's up? <laughs> what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Hey, Mark a podcast where I get to talk about mental health, self-development, and just kind of the stuff that is stigmatized or doesn't come up on a day-to-day basis. You obviously hear me do interviews sometimes, but very rarely recently, just because I've been a little bit caught up this summer, trying to actually relax and enjoy myself, but now I'm trying to crank down and get some interviews going. I thought, what better of a way to jump back into business with my boy Zach from Plaid Jacket Philosopher. He's been on the show multiple times, so if you've heard us before, then... Welcome back. If you're new to this, Zach, why don't you give people a little bit of an introduction to your podcast, who you are, what you're all about, and yeah, what could they what what they could expect? Uh, well, hey Mark, thanks for having me back again. I yeah, I always enjoy our chats. We've had a, a number of them. I think we've had what three on your podcast and three on mine, and none of them have been. Uh, we haven't cross-released any of them, so it's all been six standalones. I'm surprised we still have anything to talk about, but <laughs> we always find something. Uh, anyway, like you said, I have my own podcast. It's called The Plaid Jacket Philosopher. It's kind of trying to blow up a few of the stereotypes surrounding blue-collar and trades workers and you know, uh, just realizing that we aren't as portrayed in the media. We aren't all just kind of grumbling, bumbling idiots with our pants hanging halfway down our ass. So um, yeah, it, it's awesome. I get to interview a lot of tradespeople. Like I said, I've interviewed Mark three times, uh, a bunch of other guys. It's, it's been awesome. It's kind of cool to connect with different people who like to think a little bit more and in depth than just, you know, what we're doing with our hands. And it's been really rewarding. So I, I've been having a blast doing it. I'm coming up on one year now and I have no plans on stopping because it's been really rewarding. And, you know, I, I've just, I love it. hundred percent, man. I love it. I love it as well, honestly, because I'm just, I'm like slightly ahead of you, like a month or two ahead of you. But uh, I know, man, I just finished my first year. I think I started last year in July. So yeah, I just finished up my, my 12 month span, I guess. But the first question I got to ask you, bro, you got AC in there or what? Because I noticed you're wearing a fucking sleeved shirt and it's hot as hell right now, man. I'm lucky I'm in my basement. So it's a little bit cooler, but no, not, uh, not much of a break from the heat here. It has been crazy this year. We, I don't know if you had any rain uh, where you are kind of the last couple of days, we had a slight drizzle of rain, I think on Saturday. Um, but other than that, it's probably been upwards of eight, nine weeks of nothing. So it is hot and it is dry and I am, I'm done with this. I, you know, I hate to be that guy who complains about summer, but I'm going to complain about it anyway. <laughs> Bring on fall. I'm ready for the cool down. Yeah, I know you got no problem working in like the cold. So I'm sure you're comfortable with our weather here because I know you've worked in like negative 30, 40, fuck, probably like negative a thousand degrees and it's, <laughs> it barely drops below zero here. So I'm sure you're excited. That's probably like your baseline comfort level is like zero degrees at this point. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around 10 degrees anyway. That's where I'm comfortable, 10 to 15. But yeah, this, uh, this summer's been way too hot. I mean, we got up to 47 degrees Celsius here where I live and it, yeah it was it was nuts i think there were i can't remember what the exact number was it was somewhere around 800 people died in the province of bc over that three-day heat wave which is crazy crazy like yeah 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 it was nuts i actually uh 
I was in the hospital, like nothing too, too serious. I fractured my heel like a fucking idiot, but I was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago and it was like during that huge heat, like that heat wave. And I was talking to some of the nurses and they're like, I've never seen it this busy in here before. Like it was absolutely nuts. Just so many people rushed to the hospital because obviously of the weather, just dehydrating them, the heat stroke. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I don't know. I have a feel like feeling like we're going to have to get used to a little bit. Uh, it's been kind of climbing up here every year. It doesn't really show any sign of slowing down. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. It's, it's getting ugly. I'm, I'm just trying to keep like a positive attitude right now because like I remember being a kid, like watching movies of like people in like, I don't know if you ever watched like those surf movies or skateboard movies, like Lords of Dogtown where guys are in like California or Florida. And I'm like, man, that looks so fucking sick to live there. It's so hot all the time. So I'm like, maybe this is my chance of a free vacation every year. Like it's kind of like being on vacation, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is like a vacation. It's just scary when it's happening up here in Canada. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. We shouldn't be seeing temperatures like this. But anyway, I don't know. That's probably a, a longer discussion for smarter people than us. But yeah, no um, kidding, man. I've heard. Yeah, yeah, I've had so many people telling me about that. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea what's going on. I have I couldn't tell you. I'm just trying to keep positive the best I can, because I know in like six months I live in Richmond here and only people from Vancouver will get this joke. But I know once the snow comes and the rain comes in the winter, Richmond's going to be hellhole. So I'm, I'm just thanking my lucky stars. I'm dealing with the heat right now and not the people sliding around on the roads. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, yeah, what's going on today? What did you have on the docket for us to talk about? Well, you know how I roll, bro. I actually just usually wing it. So I don't have much planned, but I wanted to start off by just kind of saying, like, I think it was the last time we recorded on Europe, your podcast or it could have been on my podcast where I, and you kind of touched on it on one of your recent episodes as well, where I, I accused you of romanticizing the trades <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I actually, you know, I romanticize hard work and discipline and all those types of annoying things that people fucking hate hearing about as well. So I, I'm just as bad as you are, but I think that what you do is very noble, but I wanted to say like, I, I think that with the trades and with discipline and hard work and all of those things, um, when you start to apply yourself in those things truly and actually just give in, like say, you know what, fuck, I'm not afraid of the hard work. I'm going to lean into it more. It, it almost gives you a little bit of hope. Like at the end of the day, when you go to bed, you know what you're setting yourself up for the next day. Have you found that like through working in the trades, you kind of gain a lot more confidence or the ability to kind of work through harder situations in your life? Oh yeah, I think so. Like I, uh, you know, I <clears throat> mine, like I, there's, positives and drawbacks to it but i like i'm really good at kind of putting my head down and just driving towards a goal um whatever that may be and again like the negatives of that is that a lot of the time i won't be addressing the root cause of an issue you know like if i'm if i'm pissed off about something i usually just kind of bury my head in the sand and start pushing forward in work right just trying to drive forward in some productive way through life so i mean there's there's positives and negatives to it but yeah i completely i totally agree i mean even just and we've talked about it many times i talk about it quite frequently on my podcast but the idea that you can build something from the ground up and you can see your contributions to it you can see a project through from beginning to end you know what part you've influenced and you know what you are able to accomplish on a given job site it's different than 
I mean, I don't know for sure because I've never worked really an office job or anything like that, but I imagine that it's a little bit harder to track your progress that way. Whereas when you're building something, you can physically see what you've done. Uh, you can see it day by day, hour by hour. And then at the end of the job, you can identify exactly what you've done. And it's rewarding that way. It's very easy to track your progress. It's very easy to you know, see your steps or yeah, again, all the progress that you've made in your given field. And it, it definitely lends itself to building self-confidence, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I know. I mean, everyone's motivated differently and everyone has different things that makes them happy or makes them feel accomplished or fulfilled, whatever word you want to use. But I know like when I worked in sales, I, uh, I definitely like the only result that I ever got to see was the numbers. And so like, right. I could see how much I sold and then I would see the numbers on my commission check. And don't get me wrong, man, getting a big fat commission check was awesome. But at some point, like you kind of fizzle out or you kind of plateau at a point where you get your monthly out, like, you know, unless you're consistently grinding more and more and more hours, there's only so many hours you can work so many sales you're going to make every month and it gets to be pretty consistent. And so like, yeah. it comes almost like baseline and then there's no product that you get to see or anybody that you're, you know, really getting to satisfy other than the customers that you continue to sell to. And so like, I, I find with the trades, like having, like you said, new and new opportunities to kind of build things or put things together or solve someone's problems. It's kind of like a different result every time. And you're like, Whoa, this was something that I either didn't know I could do before, or I wasn't really a hundred percent sure of, or I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a new challenge that you get to see. And it's like consistent problem solving. At least I know with my job, especially doing mainly renovations, it's like, we're pretty much problem solving every single day. There's no job that's exactly the same. Oh, exactly. And I think that that aspect of problem solving isn't, uh, isn't really thought out. I think a lot when you, you think of the trades, if you're on the outside of it, I mean, obviously when you work it, that's a huge part of your job, but it doesn't, it isn't something you're always talking about or that a lot of customers see. I mean, I know from, from your guys' end too, like, uh, the customer tells you what they want and then you have to look at what they have now and you're trying to figure out how to get it to that end goal that they're wanting. And even as a customer, like they appreciate um, kind of the finished product, but I don't think anybody really appreciates the, the steps in between when you're trying to figure out how to make this work with existing framing in your case. Or for me, you know, a lot of the time it's existing circuitry that's in the house or existing loading on their panel. Like, and you've got to try to find ways to work around it make things fit in. Again, you're trying to, I mean, sometimes it's just the physical routing of whatever you're trying to do. Like for me running a cable, that can be uh, a lot of the problem solving and a lot of the frustrating part of it, but um, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And I think that, uh, that yeah, that it, it should be highlighted more, but at the same time, I mean, if you're not interested in trades, you're not going to really understand the nuances there or the, the different, you know, skill sets or thought put into it, but there's a lot there. And I think a lot of tradespeople, that's one thing that they really take a lot of pride in is the ability to problem solve. And it's constant. You're, you're never going to go to a job that's the exact same. I mean, unless you're building row housing or something like that, where it's just one unit after the next, after the next, and that gets pretty boring. It's pretty monotonous, but when you get a chance to really, kind of flex your brain and and think a job out it's it's awesome it's so rewarding yeah i know like <clears throat> excuse me i know like with uh with our job there's been a couple of times where i'm like man how the fuck are we gonna do this like one example like really small one i know like maybe not 100 percent of my audience is familiar with a lot of things in the trades but yeah i'm assuming some of your audience is going to listen to this as well since you're here but I know like we were doing like small jobs at, at one point where we we're just doing baseboards in places. And there's like all these curved little accent walls 
And like my foreman was bringing pieces of baseboard home and letting his little son spray them with, with the hose. And he's like Mm -hmm. slowly putting ladders on them to curve the baseboard. And it took him like a week to make this one piece for a customer's house. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, the customer season's like, Oh, awesome. It worked. Like, that's easy. (laughs) It's like, hold on. It wasn't easy. Like, yes, it looks easy. Like that's our job is to try to make these things look easy, but there's a lot of thought, a lot of planning and a lot of stuff behind the scenes that goes into that. And, you know, it even comes down to, I'm sure you guys get this too. I think it, I think it comes down to just about any job. I don't think this is trade specific, but it certainly does come out in the trades uh, is people who kind of will uh, question or argue about the pricing of things. And a lot of the time it's because it's work that they don't see that's put in. Um, And that's not making an excuse for, you know, shitty or shady tradespeople out there because they do exist too. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of work put in behind the scenes. And again, you're paying for that experience. I mean, you know, there's, there's pretty overused quotes out there about a mechanic who just happens to know where to hit the right spot. And, you know, the reason why they charge you the fee that they do is because they've spent the last 25 years finding out exactly where to hit on an engine to get it to restart. Well, it's the same thing with, you know, electrical. I mean, a lot of the people will, they'll call us with a problem and they'll say it. They're like, oh, it's, you know, we got to rewire everything. It's a big mess up. There's, you know, it's going to be a big job. And then we get it fixed in 15 minutes and, you know, we hand them a bill for whatever our, our call out minimum is two hours. It's, it's pretty small in the grand scope of things, but you know, sometimes they'll argue that and they say, well, it took you 15 minutes to figure it out. It's like, well, you're not, you know, apart from covering like gas and time and all that stuff, you're not paying for the 15 minutes you're paying for the last eight years in the trade or however long you've been in it. For me, it's been 17, but you're paying for that accumulated time that then gives me that expertise to find the problem that fast. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that that goes into it behind the scenes that a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate. Yeah, I've always found that super funny, man, especially working in sales and having people trying to haggle with me. And like, obviously, I don't do a lot of the like, uh, I guess, the quotes or the sales with our company right now. But I, I I know that there's people that try and argue with pricing and obviously you hear it as well, but I, I was thinking about it the other day, man. Like you think about like the last time you went to the dentist and like, mm-hmm. man, they work on you for like an hour and then you get that fat, that fat bill at the end. Like how many people do you see trying to haggle at the dentist's office, man? Like, you know what I mean? You spend an hour there, they bill you like a fucking $1,200 and you're like, what the hell, man? But it's yeah. like, dude, this guy went to school for years and it's the exact same with the trades, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just a, an issue with perception, right? I mean, you're right. Nobody has an issue dealing with that with the, the dentist. And I'm not saying that we're nearly as uh, schooled or educated as dentists because we aren't. But at the same time, you become proficient and you become an expert in whatever field you're in. And, you know, that warrants uh, accurate compensation. Like it, it this is a living. This isn't a job. I mean, that's another one thing that I try to kind of dismantle on my podcast is the idea that trades is a job and, you know, then you go on to bigger and better things after. And I just think that's completely false. I mean, the one huge key about trades is that you don't need to take out a student loan to go through it. You know, that whole, that whole idea of you have to have a post-secondary university or college uh, degree in order to have a career or a shot at earning a life is completely false and you know talk to any tradesperson you know anybody who's been in it for a while you know maybe they run their own company they run their own truck and that's another thing is that there's very little blockages to you setting out on your own and to starting your own company running your own truck and uh it's 
it's a career. And I think that's one thing that I, again, try to kind of dismantle in my podcast is those, those ideas that trades are just a job and then you move on to something bigger and better. Like there's, there's a lot of not just fulfillment, but there's a lot of money in trades. There's, you, you know, you can buy a house, you can raise a family, you can do all that stuff on a, a trade salary. Yeah, hundred percent. I was literally about to say that, like my father, obviously he's uh, he runs the company that I'm working for. Um, he supported a family of five and we didn't have the most luxurious life ever, but we never, from what I noticed, ever struggled with money really. So I feel like that's a huge privilege and that's purely just for my father working the trades. He was a single income family. And I know like your dad works in the trades and, you know, you've turned out all right and you work in the trades and you're raising four boys as well. So clearly it's a great way to support a family, get a home and, and, you know, set up a foundation for, for your children as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, you know, more than just that, like, like you were talking about with your dad, my dad's the same thing. Like when I first started in electrical, I got started as an apprentice in his company because he started a small company. And then I ended up branching out, going up North, getting a little bit more industrial experience and uh, just experience in different fields of electrical. That was actually at his kind of prompting too. He, he told me, you know, you can't just be stuck in one lane of electrical, which was great advice, but um, it's the same thing. I mean, you can, he raised our family and, you know, now the plan is he's getting older. He wants to retire and I'm looking at financing and buying the company off him and trying to kind of keep it in the family name, which I'm very excited about. Well, anxious is almost more accurate because there's a lot that comes along with that, but it's exciting. And, you know, more than just being able to financially care for and raise, you know, a family, it's to me, it's that work ethic. Like that's one thing that he, he never really explicitly told me, but he showed me the value of hard work and I, I could see it in what he did or what he did around the house. Like he was so capable of, you know, fixing stuff everywhere in the house. And that came from what he learned in the trades and just that work ethic was from the trades. And again, he got that passed down to him and it's something that I hope to pass down to my kids. But I think there's a lot of value in that in being able to, to do things on your own rather than having to hire somebody to do everything. Yeah. And, I, I noticed as well, like pretty much every single person that I know, and this is kind of anecdotal, it's obviously not a fact, but all the guys that I know in the trades, especially seeing my father growing up, like it kind of instills because nobody starts off as the boss of a company. Nobody starts off as a foreman. You always start off at the very bottom, eating shit, sweeping up job sites and literally doing all the jobs that no one else wants to do. And it, I saw with my father it was the exact same thing. Like he'd come home from a day of work. I'd be there as a kid. I'm like, Hey, seemingly not even knowing what he does all day. I'm like, Hey, can you help me out with X, Y, and Z or take me to hockey practice or take me here or there. And it's like, dude, I'm just picturing him coming home after what I do now. And it's like, man, I wouldn't want to fucking run around the city after that. Or, you know, like it's, it's, it's crazy. And I'm sure you're the exact same. Like you come home from work and your kids are probably eager to go to baseball, hockey, whatever they're up to. And it, it kind of instills that, you know, that work ethic where a lot of I've heard of like friends, parents where they just fuck off after work. You never see them. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think that's one thing. And again, I know that this is going to change starting to kind of run more of the day-to-day -day business in the company rather than working on the tools for the most part, or, you know, just putting in your eight to 10 hours a day and then that's it. Right. Like you can, I can, I can leave a lot of my work at work. Um, I know that's going to change kind of taking over the ownership side of this, but 
Um, you're right. I mean, that's that's one thing that I always found with my dad too. He still had energy to to deal with us as as kids, and you know, that's that's honestly one of the reasons why my wife and I wanted to have kids young. Like I'm 31. We're done having kids. We've got our four kids, but we wanted to have the energy to actually <laughs> do stuff because I tell you, like even at 31, working full time and then coming home to the kids and wife, and uh, you're drained by the end of the day. Like I have kind of the same bedtime schedule as you. I'm I'm in bed by eight and passed out by nine. Like I'm I'm toast. But it's uh you know it's worth it. And that's that's again that's kind of why our decision came down to having kids when we were younger. And then hopefully we live long enough to enjoy the tail end. <laughs> no kidding, man. Yeah, I, I can clearly see that you're not fucking afraid of overpopulating this earth, eh? No, 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 not my not my top concern. Well, that's it. You're done now. You've got your little fucking army. And how are they, man? How's the family? Everything's all good. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. Uh, they're doing really well. You know, we've got, like you said, four boys. They're 10, 5, 3, and then one and a half. And uh, yeah, they're a blast. Like, and I remember, I don't know, this is a totally different tangent, but I remember when I was younger, always thinking that, you know, uh, nurture had a lot more to do in development than nature did. And then I had kids and I realized like, Jesus, at best, nurture gets 50% of the credit because they all come out with their own personalities, their own driving forces. And it's funny because like sometimes my five-year-old, for example, I see a ton of myself in him, like to the point where it's scary, right? Like he's, he's obsessed with World War II. He's obsessed with the 1930s and 40s. And he's just... I don't know how else to put it. Like my wife and I, we just talk about it all the time, but he is obsessed. And it's it's interesting because it's, you know, it's something that I'm fascinated with as well. But I don't think I ever tried to push that on him. It was just something that he gravitated towards. And yeah, it's funny. It's uh it's just interesting to see them all grow up and the different interests that they take. How did he hear about that? Like, did he did he watch you watch a documentary or like did did you give him a book or like is he learning this stuff from his buddies? Like, how did he even get into World War II at that age, man? <laughs> I know. Like, I, uh, you know, like, I, I think he might have walked in on me watching a movie in my room or whatever in, in my wife in my bedroom, but uh, he just started asking questions. And then the next thing we know, like, every week they go to library and they pick a book, right? And then he comes home with, like... <laughs> For a five-year-old, or who he was four at the time, he's got like weapons of World War II as his picture book that he's taken up from the library. We're like, I didn't even know this was in your elementary school, but he's obsessed. He he'll bring the books home. He wants me to read them to him like right away the day he gets them. He were flipping through, going through pictures. He's asking me, you know, like what army was was this? And you know, he'll tell you. He right now he's obsessed with World War II airplanes, and so he gets an allowance for doing his chores and stuff. And he's a good little saver. So he gets five bucks a week to just help out around the house. And then we tell him if, you, if any of you guys save for four weeks, we'll double it. Like we're trying to trying to get them to save money a little bit. So if they can save four weeks straight, so that's 20 bucks. And then we'll double it to 40. We'll tell him like, you know, good for you for saving it for, for four weeks. So anyway, he saved for four weeks, saved up 40 bucks, and then immediately went on Amazon. And he was like, let's order up a couple of airplanes. So he's got like the Japanese zero airplane and then one of the, the American P 51 Mustangs. And he's just like flies him around in two hands all day. Like he just, he loves it. And he, he's obsessed with world war two aircraft right now, but really anything world war two, he's, he's obsessed with it. 
Dude, that's wicked. I, dude, you know, I got to fucking, you, you got to start a parenting podcast, man, because that <laughs> is the coolest fucking thing. Like literally teaching them how to save money at four or five years old and teaching them basically compound interest as well. Cause you're like, if you get this amount, then I'll double it. Like you're basically teaching them what interest is without them even knowing it. Like if you save up, your money is not only going to save up, but it's going to grow as well. Like, that's so sick, man. How do you come up? And the other thing I was going to bring up is, I don't know if it was on like one of the first episodes we did, or if it was just one of the episodes that I listened to on your show, but there was like that concept of like the mommy date as well. And I'm like, man, oh, how yeah. are you coming up with all these fucking amazing parenting tips? First explain the mommy date and then explain how the fuck are you doing this? I, I have to give most of the credit to my wife. She's, she's a genius. She's uh, she's amazing. Like it, she takes care of everything, right? Like I, I go to work every day and she takes care of all four of them. Like she has to get 95% of the credit here, but the mommy date was her idea. Uh, that was, it, it's just, you know, part of it came because we don't have any daughters, right? So we wanted to try to find a way to, you know, apart from just the way I treat my wife and we try to emulate the relationships that they should have, try to be that example, but we wanted we wanted to give them a chance to actually like act it out in a way they don't have sisters so they can't really take it easy like they're rambunctious they beat the hell out of each other they're either getting along perfectly or fighting horribly right so we tried to we're trying to give them a little bit of that that influence on how to do that so you know right now it's just our 10 and our five-year-old but they they'll take mom on a date right so obviously you know we pay for it but we give them some money and then they can feel like they're paying for it and you know they'll usually go to the movies they'll buy popcorn they'll um they'll you know they'll they'll treat mom to a date and it's just it's kind of cool they have a lot of fun with it obviously it gives them some one-on-one -on -one time with mom they get to to go to a movie do something fun uh, i know they went i think they went go-karting one time but yeah it's always just it's just something fun that they can do together and it's trying to teach them how to treat women in their life because i grew up with three sisters when i was younger and my wife it was just her and her sister so we're trying to but now we only have boys so we're trying to do whatever we can to teach them how to to treat women in their life yeah it's so crazy man that's such a sick yeah i got two sisters so i guess hopefully that means i'll be able to treat women all right but Excuse me. That's, that's so sick, man. I've always found that so fascinating. Every time I hear you talk about your kids, I'm like, man, how is he getting all these fucking sweet parenting tactics? Like I was going to ask, like, I know like growing up, I mean, you've told me a little bit about your past, but I don't want to jump into too much detail. You share whatever you feel like is necessary to share, but like how, like, how did you learn how to raise your kids so well? Like, obviously like I've, yeah, like I said, I've heard you say on your podcast before that both you and your wife kind of came from quote unquote broken homes. So like, was that kind of what motivated you or gave you hope? Like, how did you go from from that into what sounds like, you know, you guys are wicked parents? Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, we fail a lot. <laughs> like That's that's the key. I mean, you know, it's it's like social media. A lot of the time you don't share your failures too openly, but we fail a lot. Um you know, just recently we had one time that, you know, I messed up, but, uh, and I talked about that on, on the podcast, but, you know, coming from broken homes, I mean, again, the one thing that I never lacked was like love and support from each parent, despite the fact that, yeah, the, the home was broken, their relationship was horrible, but they both loved me. So from that end of it, like, it was great. I have nothing to complain about there. I, I knew that they both loved and cared for me. Um, but as far as the, the brokenness of the home, like that definitely influences my wife and I. Um, it's kind of like, 
I don't know, it's kind of like the pendulum swing, right? So if you have one extreme, which both of us had uh, broken home, well, we're doing everything we can to make sure that that doesn't happen to our kids because we, we kind of firsthand know the repercussions of that, what the fallout is and what, you know, how it affects you growing up or, you know, your views on relationships or having kids of your own, you know, for a long time. And my, my sisters used to like tell my wife this all the time. They're like, we didn't think Zach would ever get married. Like we didn't think he'd ever have kids. Like, and you know, I used to say that because that's what I grew up in and I didn't really have any intention of, you know, uh, getting married, or I wasn't sure about having kids. It was something that I hadn't really thought about, to be honest, when we met, I was 25. So um, then we quickly, you know, popped out three more kids. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just something that I think, it's definitely at the forefront of our mind, both being from broken homes, but it's something that, uh, that yeah, we just strive to, to do the opposite. We try to make sure everything is secure and locked down at, at the home and that they, they know that they feel that and they feel secure. Yeah. And without like, I was going to say that that was actually going to be my next question because, you know, I'm 25 right now and I'm, you know, I, I definitely know that I want to have children, but I know that I'm not ready for it right now. And I know a lot of my friends, both male and female have said, you know, like, I don't really want to bring kids into this world right now. Like it seems like such a crazy time or, you know, my parents didn't do a very good job with me, whatever it may be with like X, Y, and Z excuse, but like, obviously like you just said you had those thoughts as well like what kind of shifted your mindset into like you know fuck it i'm fully committing i'm gonna be a father and i'm gonna be a damn good one at that well it was it was a lot of meeting my wife right like a lot of the time you got to find somebody who you really click with and you just know that well this person like i'm i'm building a life with and uh you know, I, I don't know if I've actually ever gone to it on the podcast, but we met and like we were engaged within three months of meeting. Like, and that seems crazy now looking back at it. Like when I think about it, like we were nuts, but, uh, but yeah, it just, everything clicked. And within nine months of meeting, we were married. Um, and then nine months after that, we had our, our, uh, well, she had had a two-year-old already, Riley, who, who's, uh, our oldest, but, um, yeah, nine months after we were married, we had our second kid and then it just rolled on from there. But I don't know, man, like, I don't know if anything really would have changed if I hadn't met her like mentally for me, but all I can say is that there is not a more rewarding feeling on the planet than, than having kids. Like, you know, it's scary. And I don't know if there's, I don't know if you're ever really able to prepare for it. Like, that's one thing that I hear, you know, a lot of the time is that, oh, we're not ready. We're not ready. We got to do X, Y, and Z before we're going to have kids. And I understand that. Like I'm, I'm a, the planning type. I like to have a plan in place, but no amount of preparing in the world is going to prepare you to have a kid. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. It's going to blindside you. It flips your life upside down. You do a full 180, um, but it could not be, there's nothing more rewarding than it in life. I can guarantee that like the, 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 you know, you know how a lot of the time, like people, for example, motivational speakers, for example, they're huge nowadays or gurus or whatever, um, mentors. But if you've got kids, man, like, and you love them, you're invested in their life, you're invested in their upbringing. Like there is never a question as to why or a meaning behind what you do. There is, it's so obvious. It's right in front of your face. The second that you wake up, you, you have your why it's staring at you. It's, you know, and it's, yeah, I, I don't know how, how to explain it. There's, there's so many steps along the way that are just, 
unbelievable. They're unexplainable. You can't find the right words for them. And I mean, any parents listening to this, like they're going to know like the, you know, when you first meet your kid at the, at the, the moment of birth, it's, you can't put it into words or when they first say dad, that that's, you know, you, you can't put these things into words, the explanations behind how you feel for them. But uh, yeah, like I, that's one thing is that I've, I've never had a, you know, I've never questioned my why in life or what my driving force is ever since having kids like it's it's apparent yeah that's crazy man and yeah it, it is I, like i've heard you say the story of how like you you and your wife met and how quickly you guys got married as well like it's so funny because i think about it and i'm like man like i i've been kind of seeing somebody for a couple months now and thinking like dude three months in you're getting pretty much engaged and married like that sounds so crazy to me but clearly it it's working so well for you guys like I think that and I know for sure like knowing my friends I think that there's a lot more of that going on especially because of COVID right now like there's so many of my friends where they're getting engaged I'm like I didn't even know this person was in your fucking life like how are you getting engaged to them already that's so funny so yeah like and I mean, this is a totally unrelated question. Well, it's kind of related, but like we were, my wife and I were even talking, like, I don't know how, I don't know how I would have gone through COVID and a lot of the lockdowns without her or without having a partner. Like I just, yeah. Like, I mean, just because, I mean, the COVID, the lockdowns, everything, it's, it's like nothing we've ever experienced in our lifetime. Right. So maybe it's, maybe that's part of it. It's just, um, it's something totally alien to us, but I can't imagine going through that without anybody. Like I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious how it's going to bounce back. Like if people, maybe people will value that more, you know, like, you know, hookup culture is pretty, um, pretty prevalent, like, or at least it was, I don't know. I think COVID put a damper on that. Maybe I'm going to say it probably it is still. And like, well, at least in my group of friends, for sure. Okay. Okay. So it's still pretty prevalent, but I'm wondering if maybe, if maybe there will be a little boom and people, maybe, you know, the idea of a committed relationship kind of coming back a little bit. I mean, I don't think it ever went out of style. I just think it's not um, portrayed in media all that much, but I think, uh, you know, maybe it will. It's yeah. Cause I can't imagine going through, you know, the last 18 months without a meaningful connection to anybody personally, but uh yeah, I don't know. It's just, just the, you know, those stupid things that you, you talk about with, well, in my case, me and my wife talk about, and we just, we wonder, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the aftermath of all this. Yeah, I was about to pick your brain. I, I, I'm blessed that I've got Aiden, my roommate here, because we just pretty much bounce jokes and ideas off each other all the time. So, yeah. you know, we're both chilling out and having fun most of the time. We're, we're pretty much doing anything that we would typically do anyways, because especially during the summer, it's like, all we really do is just work camp fish. That's pretty much it. Like go to the beach. But other than that, like we're doing everything that we typically do. I was going to ask you, like, have you noticed like a lot more of your, maybe like single friends, if you have many of them, like, are they getting, like, are you finding people that, you know, getting into relationships? Cause I feel like, dude, like so many of my friends, maybe it's just the age I'm at where I'm like approaching, I guess. No, I forgot. I'm 26 now, but I'm, oh you know, getting closer to 30. Like, I guess I'm at that age where all my friends are starting to get engaged, but I feel like COVID's kind of that catalyst where like people are getting engaged. My friends that are married or engaged are starting to have kids. Like, what do you think the impacts, like if you could name like a couple, a couple more impacts, what do you think the impacts of like COVID are in, in terms of like how it's going to impact your buddies in, in a non, you know, serious way. You're seeing people get into relationships. You're seeing obviously 
probably a big boost in the population coming up. What do you probably. think else? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I think that if, you know, if you had a, a relationship and you were questioning it before COVID hit and you survived that 18 months and you found, you know, things worked out pretty well, then, you know, you might see a, a boost in those engagements and, and marriages after, I don't know. I mean, at my age and you'll see it too, now that you're kind of 26 and, you know, I saw on social media, not to air too much laundry, but you, you know, you were at a wedding recently and like, you're going to start to see between 26 and 28, 29, you're going to go through a rash of weddings. <laughs> like I promise you that's what happened. Like all my, my close friend group, uh, aside from one guy are all married now. Um, you know, most of them have kids. It's, it's just that age. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if COVID's gonna, gonna impact it at all. I think you, you would see it regardless, but yeah, you'll, you'll go to a lot more weddings and then you're going to get a lull in it. So it'll be, you know, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, it was pretty wicked. Actually, no, that was my, that was one of my best buddies actually. And I was fortunate enough, dude, I got to be the best man at that wedding. It was so sick, dude. That's awesome. I've been, uh, I've been the best man at one wedding and uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. How'd you do with the, the speech? Oh, I didn't even actually give one. It was a, it was a really small wedding. It was literally just me and then the maid of honor and then the parents, like it was just like a little private wedding. They kind of eloped actually. And then we just went to the beach. Like it was actually really wicked. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You no responsibility, to... man. I only, all I had to do, dude, it was actually hilarious. The only responsibility I had, I got to be the ring bearer as well, obviously. And then, um, the, the only funny part, the only responsibility that there was, was I had to, I had to give the rings and I go, uh, they're like, okay, can you present the rings? I'm like, absolutely. And my buddy puts his hand out. And I go to give him her ring and he's like putting his hand out like this. I'm like, bro, turn your fucking hand over, man. <laughs> I'm not putting the ring on you, man. Yeah. You're putting it on her. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you you dodged a bullet by not having to do the uh, the speech. I did it like years ago before the podcast and I'm you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not good at public speaking even now. Like I find it pretty easy to, to talk into my microphone and in my basement, but as far as speeches go, Oh, I was terrified, but you know, it was good. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a good experience. And um, yeah, but I don't know that that's a, that's a cool experience for you too. Not everybody gets to be a best man. And you know, that's something you'll always be able to say. Yeah, it was pretty wicked. I, I was kind of like coming up to it. I was like, fuck, I don't really want to ask if I have to give a speech because then I'm going to look unprepared. So I did. I was like, just in case I had like a little tiny piece of paper. I was like, okay, this is like just things I would touch on. But fortunately, I like didn't have to say much. It would have been funny, but I feel like for myself to actually give a good uh, performance, I would have had to have a much bigger audience, you know? So like I, I was... I was pretty thankful that just in front of the parents and I like even her parents, I had only met like her mother once, I think. And then mm -hmm. I've never met her father. So it was really just like two people that I knew and then his parents, cause I grew up with the guy, but I, I was pretty happy that all I had to do is just show up, wear a suit, smile, hand some rings out and then eat some good food. That was pretty much all I had to do. Yeah, man. Well, enjoy it. Hopefully you get a, a string of weddings here to go to. I know we had a blast, like my wife and I were going to all these different weddings and, but it only lasts for a, a certain while, right? All your friends will get, uh, get married up and then you go through a lull, maybe a divorce, maybe a second wedding one day down the road, but who knows, you know, you never, you never hope for that. It's just a fact of life, but, uh, yeah, man, that's awesome. That's uh that's a fun stretch to go through. Yeah. And so do you think like, um, Again, without going into like too much detail, obviously, because I don't want you to overshare anything that you're not comfortable sharing. But like, 
what kind of thing, what do you think kind of differentiates like your relationship, uh, like with your wife, uh, from like your father's relationship with your mother or like what, I guess, advice could you give to somebody to have like kind of a successful marriage? If my buddy is listening to this, what could he do? Right. Uh, well, communication is pretty key, obviously, but I think it just comes down to like what your core values are. Like, I mean, we have different interests. We have different opinions on a lot of things, but you know, we both respect each other enough to listen to them, to, to talk them out. And another key thing, like, you know, I, I mean, I think any of my married friends, they're pretty successful at this, but, uh, you've got to give the other person their own space to do their own thing sometimes like it's tough with kids right especially for my wife because our youngest still like breastfeeds so she's got to be around quite a bit um but now that he's getting a little bit older he can go a lot longer between feedings and we can give him food in between he's uh you know it allows her to go out with her friends a bit and you know i encourage that and she encourages it for me like you know i've got this podcast that i'll do at nights and then you know i've got hockey to go to something to blow off steam because you still have to you still have to have your own life like you can't you can't completely rely on the other person to do every little thing in your life like you and I've said this to my wife and she says the same thing to me it's that you know we want to be reliable we want to be there for each other but we don't want to be relied upon for everything right like that's that's not the position you ever want to be in I'm not responsible for her happiness she's not responsible for my happiness we're both you know fully capable individuals and we really enjoy spending time together we really mesh well and we've got the same core values you know it's it's family it's it's you know it's just being that solid foundation for them and it's uh that's really what we've i mean we've talked about this quite frequently like you know how did we how do we make this work after three months we were engaged and then nine months married how did it work like that seems crazy and we we talk about it all the time too i mean my best man <clears throat> we were actually joking about it the other day but she was like do you remember in your in Nick's speech when he said, you know, I don't really know you that well, but Zach does and he approves of you. So I approve of you too. Like and that was in our wedding in his best man speech. And it was just funny because I mean, it was true. Everything happened so fast, but you know, he knew that I, I knew her and that I, you know, I was committed to it. So he believed and he knew that she was, she was awesome. And that's kind of, you know, the way things worked, it's, it's crazy when we look back on it, but we just have the same core values. We hold the same things, uh, kind of in the highest regard and we try to we try to just aim ourselves at them as best we can and again you know there's there's arguments along the way but the other thing is too is we never let anything build up if something's bugging us then we air it out we have a discussion and we don't ever let it reach that boiling point because I mean I'm sure you've had it everybody's had it you have relationships where you just keep sweeping it under the rug under the rug under the rug until all of a sudden it's this mountain and it just you know it explodes and that's uh that's not healthy for anybody. Dude, out of all the advice that I give on my podcast, relationship advice is probably what I'll stay away from for the most part, because you pretty well described like my last few relationships, not the, <laughs> not the current one I'm in right now, but yeah. my last few relationships were exactly that. And like, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking as, as you were talking about your best man, giving that speech, like uh, how he's like, you know, I don't really know you that well, but Zach clearly does. And he approves of you. So I approve of you. And that's wicked that you had that, that kind of like support system where he's like, dude, I like, I don't know about this, but you know about this. So I'm fucking supporting you on it. Like you must've had people like literally look at you and been like, dude, you're crazy for doing this. 
And I'm sure that you've had that as well with like, you know, going to camp and working like remote as well. And I know I've had it with some of the decisions I've made. So like, what, how do you kind of like relating this back to like kind of self-development or mental health? Like when you are making a decision like this and you have people saying like, I don't, I think you should check yourself. I don't think this is a good idea or you seem kind of crazy for doing this. Like, how do you kind of know that, you know, fuck all these people's opinions. Like, I'm just going to do what I think is best. Like, how do you kind of make that decision or how do you make that judgment call? Well, I mean, it's, it's different in each scenario, right? Because so when going out of town for work, um, you know, I had some people who say, oh, that's crazy. Or oh, you're going to get tied up in the wrong stuff. You're going to, you know, I mean, like drugs are pretty prevalent, right? Even though it's dry camps, when you're making that kind of money, and then you've got one week off to kind of decompress de-stress. And if you're like single, you're a lot of people get into drugs, right? There's a, there's a, a lot of drug users. And you know, you, you develop habits like that. I didn't. Uh, so in that case, when I had people say, Oh, man, what are you doing? Like, you're, you know, we're, we're all hanging out, like, and I went in my early 20s. They're like, you're gonna miss out on all the fun years of your life. And for me personally, like, I just had a goal in mind, right? And I didn't, I me mean, even now to this day, like, I don't usually talk about my goals. I'm not a big talker when it comes that way. Like, I'll, I'll say that I have goals in mind. But that being said, I don't like to talk about them too much. Because, you know, unless I want to hold myself accountable, if it's something that I think that I might waver on, then I'll talk about it publicly, because then I can, I know that people will be holding me accountable. And that's, that's important to me. If I feel like I need that level of accountability, I'll put them out there. But you know, my friends didn't know that my goals were to save for a house or to save for, you know, whatever, like I just I was trying to build up the foundations of my life, like, and that was the idea when I went out to camp. So I knew deep down without having to talk to them or explain to them really much like, look, I don't care if I miss out on going to the club every Friday and Saturday night, I don't care about missing out on pub nights, like I'm, I'm trying to build for the future. And don't worry, I'm not going to get tied up in drugs. I've you know, I'm going out here with a purpose and that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, don't worry about that. And I have a pretty strong like constitution that way, as far as just, you know, if, if I've got a, if I've got a goal that I'm oriented at, I'm, I'm chasing that almost single-mindedly, which again, like we talk about, that can be detrimental. You miss out on a lot of things kind of running parallel to that, but that's the way I am. And then when it came to my wife, I mean, my you know, my best friend, he did say something along the lines of like, are you sure? Like when we were just hanging out one time and I was like, yeah, man. And we had a really good conversation about it. And, you know, I knew where he was coming from. You, you can get, you could get all defensive and get upset about somebody questioning it, but I was never worried about that. I knew where the intentions were coming from. He was looking out for my best interests, making sure I was making the right decision. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, we talked about it and he he was happy. He knew that he knew that I understood what I was doing. And I think that's what we all try to do when we're worried about one of our friends. It's you want to make sure they've thought this through that they, you know, they think about all the repercussions, at least, at least if you're kind of a, a good and supporting friend, that's what you want. You want to see the best in that person. And he wanted to see the best in me. And I wanted to see the best in him. And you know, we, I still I hang out with him you know, not that much now having kids, but we talk all the time. And, you know, we go, we try to do semi weekly hikes. So we keep in touch. And we've always had that, like, that's just part of my kind of support network. But it's important. And as long as you know, that the people have your best interests at heart, it's just about not getting, not getting defensive and actually just having those conversations, because then they'll realize, yeah, you, oh, look, he has thought this out, he understands what he's doing. And then everybody's happy. They just want to see you succeed. Yeah, hundred percent. And then like the the flip side to that is like you know you're you're a, obviously a foreman, you're a father, 
And you, you obviously see a lot of people making decisions that maybe you wouldn't always make. Like, how do you kind of like, this is something that I personally struggle with, honestly. Like, how do you go from a place where you're, you're kind of watching somebody you care about, whether it be, you know, an employee that you have working with you or a friend of yours or a family member? Like, how do you like kind of, you know, maybe see them make decisions that you're not 100% aligned with and you want to kind of like give their head a shake for them? Like, how do you kind of deal with that? Especially like being a father, that must be really difficult as like with your kids. I mean, maybe they're not quite at that age yet, but I'm sure that they do things that maybe you wouldn't align with. And you're like, I want to correct it, but I want them to figure it out for themselves. Like there's such a fine line there. Like how have you kind of worked with that? Cause I'm sure, I guess, even as a husband, you're maybe your wife does things that you don't really align with sometimes. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. It's, you know, it's knowing the relationship, right? Like, you know, with guys at work, like we can joke around a lot more. So I'll be like, man, you're a fucking idiot. Right. And they know where that's coming from. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, being degrading, like we have that relationship, right? So you, you speak to the relationship, like, you know, like I, and again, like this kind of today, everybody's like, you got to be very supportive and that's true, but you can show your support in different ways. Like we all have different ways of talking to each other. Like, you know, I can go up to a guy at work and again, say you're being an idiot. And, you know, he knows that that's coming from a place of caring. I'm not actually you know, degrading him at all. Then when it comes to like my wife and I, like that's one thing that I, I missed out on on talking about relationships, but that's one thing we do is we keep each other in check. Like, and that's, again, that isn't always easy to do. And it's a lot touchier when it's a relationship like that, right? Like I'm not going to call my wife a fucking idiot. That's, that's not the way we talk to each other, obviously. But, you know, we might say something like, ah, like, you know, like maybe there's another way you could do that. Or, or have you thought of this or, you know, we just, we speak to each other on the relationship, right? Uh, you know, you have different relationships, you speak to each other differently, or like with my kids, with kids, it's tough, because like you said, you want them to make their own mistakes, and you want them to come to their own realizations. But whenever you can, if you can avoid them having to make the same pitfalls that you did, or, you know, experience the same negative consequences that you did, then you do that. Like, for example, and I mean, a lot of the time it's, it's small stuff, right? Like it's like, Oh, you shouldn't climb up there. Cause that's what happens. You fall down and, you know, scrape your elbow or something. And that's minor. But now we're starting to get to the point with, uh, with like our 10 year old where he's dealing with um, bullying in school. Right. And it's, you know, that one's a lot trickier because you get, you know, as a parent, you almost get angry that your kid is having to go through this and you don't want them to, but you know, we try to explain the underlying causes of it as best we can. So you know, we'll say, uh, not everybody's house is the same, you know, he may be getting this from his older brothers or from his parents, you know, maybe he doesn't have that same network or whatever. And like, so we try to explain to him the root causes of things. So then it kind of clicks in his head, like, oh, like he's actually hurting. And we're like, yes, exactly. Like he's actually hurting. And then he's trying to put that on you so that you'll hurt. So he'll feel better about himself. And he's like, oh, and it just kind of clicks in his head, right? So we're trying to help him uh, just understand the situations without necessarily having to, to go through all the consequences. And we tell him too, like there's, there's bullies on the bus who will push around his younger brother, who's again, five and the bullies, let's say eight. And we'll tell him like, you know, talk nicely to the kid, like tell him to stop doing that. And if he doesn't push him like, or get in the way, like, you know, there's escalating levels to this, but we're trying to, we're just trying to instill in him, like the idea of, 
you know, standing up for his brothers, standing up for people who are being picked on while at the same time trying to understand where some of these people are coming from, because again, that's, that's the thing. I mean, hurting people hurt. That was actually a, a quote from one of the guys who had on my podcast. I think I released it last week, but Ed uh, was talking about that and it's, you know, it's philosopher, right? Mind. Yeah. Yeah. He runs the, uh, the docio podcast, which is an awesome philosophy podcast. He talks to actual philosophers and uh, it's, it's interesting. It's not uh, jacket ones. No, yeah, no, no. He, he talks to actual ones and it's, uh, it's fascinating, man. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what we try to try to instill in our kids. But again, anytime you're dealing with anything like where you're trying to correct somebody's course or trying to give them advice, it's talking to them on that relationship level. So it really, you have to, you have to approach it that way where they know that you're caring, but at the same time, you know, every relationship that you have is different. That's so sick, man. Like, cause I hear about like, yeah, an eight-year-old kid dealing with bullying or a six-year-old kid dealing with bullying. And it's like, man, like half of my brain, even though like all I read, like literally you see the books lined up behind me. It's all literally all psychology and philosophy. Like that's where my head's at. If you haven't listened to my podcast before, and if you have, and you haven't figured that out yet, I don't know what the fuck you're actually listening to, (laughs) but like, dude, if I heard about a six-year-old kid, especially my kid being bullied, I don't know how I wouldn't go to jail because I would want to kick the piss out of a six-year-old kid for beating up my kid. You know, like that's how I think. But I'm sure it'll probably shift once I have kids. But it's so cool that you're like literally break down. And you're like, dude, this kid's fucking hurting and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And so he's lashing out at others, trying to make them feel as bad as he does. So he doesn't feel alone. And the fact yeah. that your kid can actually grasp that is actually insane to me because I didn't even grasp these concepts until I was in my late teens. I just thought everyone was a fucking prick. You know, like I didn't, I didn't actually grasp that. And it's, it, I think that's really cool. And I'm sure you've had that debate even in your head. You're like, should I tell my 10 year old to just punch his fucking lights out? Or should I tell, you know, like tell the six year old kid to stand up for himself? Like, how do you, yeah. Like that's such a great, that's such a cool solution for it, man. I love that. That does so sick, man. And I'm sure like you've even dealt with that kind of stuff in the past where, yeah, like maybe someone's like kind of picking on you or kind of dealing with that. And you, it even comes to a point where, especially if it's not physical yet, where you just get to tone, tune them out. But that's so sick that your son is like, your sons seem to be grasping that concept already. Well, we're really lucky with him too, because he's really smart. He's very empathetic. Um, so that kind of lends itself well to him understanding how other people feel. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think it's like, I was never told that. I was never, it was never expressed to me that, you know, kids, this kid may be dealing with family issues at home. Like, and now he's taking it out on you. And uh and you know what is funny like um yeah so as far as with like his younger brother like again we stress to him that violence isn't the answer but if you know if nothing else works sometimes and if you're getting pushed around you know the only reason they're pushing you around is because you're not giving them any pushback there's nothing you know and if you've dealt with it you've talked to teachers you've done everything and he still you know finds moments when nobody's looking to push you or hit you or something then just slug them once and that's it. it you know they're looking for the path of least resistance you push back at all they're never going to come at you again and then it's it's done it's resolved but and again like so we don't go down that route but it's funny because i uh, that idea of wanting of just wanting to knock the daylights out of the the kid that's bullying I thought about that too, when I was, especially when I was younger, when it first started happening, but then you get the first time, and this is a lot harder to deal with. I I promise you it is, 
it is really difficult. I struggle with it. My wife struggled with it um, is when you get the call that your son has been bullying somebody else or has been a part of a group bullying another kid. And we had that situation. And, you know, like this one was a lot harder because I actually got a lot angrier about that than I did um, hearing that my son was, was bullied because, you know, I, I mean, to give you a backstory, I was five foot four when I graduated. So I'm well familiar with being bullied. <laughs> I was the smallest kid That's in my high school. Either. Yeah, I was the smallest kid in my high school graduating class. So I'm I'm well familiar with that. So to me, hearing that he was bullied, I'm like, all right, like here's some defense mechanisms. Here's some way to deal with it. Like I'm familiar with this. That's fine. Um, and as far as bullying, like, you know, I was part of groups that would pick on other people. I think we all were. There's there's nobody who goes through high school and isn't guilty of, of some of that stuff. It's, you know, I... If you say that you weren't, I I probably bet that you're lying or that you would just, you know, aren't, you, you don't have enough, uh, um, you know, self-reflection to really understand where you did take advantage of some of the situations like that. But again, when we heard that he had been a part of a group bullying another person, we dug down deep on that, like, because uh, that was pretty disturbing. And, you know, then we found out that he was just trying to fit in, like I think most kids are, and that he was just joining in. But then we tried to, then immediately we flipped it on him. We're like, well, you've been the victim of this stuff. Like, how does it make you feel? And then he had to go back and, you know, reflect on how he felt being bullied and pushed around by groups of kids. And he, we, we made him say it all out loud. And he, you know, he talked about it. And then I'm like, okay, so that's exactly what that kid's feeling now, right now at home. And he's probably talking about it to his parents. And that was really how we, we got it through to him. And we haven't had any issues since that was probably a year and a half, two years ago. And it's been, you know, it's been smooth sailing since then, but it's just trying to get them to be empathetic, put themselves in somebody else's shoes and understand, you know, what that person is going through. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. I, I, yeah. I don't know how I do with that because I know like for sure I've been on both sides of that spectrum as well. Like when I was yep. growing up, cause I was a little prick sometimes, you know, for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. it definitely we shows my, yeah, it definitely shows my personality today. Like I, you know, I like to have fun. I like to poke fun. And sometimes it was at other people's expense, right? Like, so I know like for sure there was times where I, I came home and I talked about how like, you know, I, I was like, I, you know, maybe a victim of something and my parents would kind of walk me through that. But there was definitely the phone calls home where I was a little prick to somebody. And, you know, it's crazy to see, yeah, it's crazy to see, I know for me, like what, what kind of made me not want to ever do that again was just seeing the disappointment in my dad's eyes. I don't know if like everyone's like that, but like when I saw I disappointed my dad, I was like, fuck, I really fucked up. I don't want to ever feel like that again. Like just seeing him, like him thinking that he thought I was like kind of, and obviously he probably didn't think this to this extreme, but thinking that he thought I was a piece of shit. I was like, fuck man, that's so embarrassing to have my dad see me like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's another thing is that um, a lot of the times, you know, the aspect of shame is brought up as something that's terrible, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good aspects of shame too. Like you just talked about it. I mean, shame is something that, you know, gets brought up when you know that you're falling short of somebody's expectations, right? Like, I don't think you should be ashamed of who you are, but if, you know, if you feel shame for actions that you've done, I mean, that's, you know, that's warranted. That's almost your own moral compass showing you like, Hey, you fucked up. Like, and here's how you're going to feel about it. And I think it's, you know, I think it's important. You obviously wanted to, you wanted to 
you know, meet the expectations that your dad had set out for you. And when you, you feel like you don't hit them, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I would much rather have my dad pissed off at me than, than be ashamed of something that I did. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, but I do think that's, that's definitely a motivator. And, uh, we kind of, we express that to, to our son too. Like, it's an idea of like, you're better than this. Like, this isn't something that you need to be doing. You know, this, this is beneath you. You, you shouldn't be doing this to other kids. And I think he definitely, I, I know that he felt ashamed because he said specifically, like, I'm ashamed of that action. And we're like, well, good. Like, this is, this is you, you know, that you're better than this. That's what this is saying. Like, you know, internally that you shouldn't be doing this. So, you know, learn from this. Yeah. hundred percent. Like you said, like, I think that a lot of the times, and this is something that people in the mental health world kind of pick on me for, or definitely don't like about the things I say, but I think the same thing goes for like anxiety, shame, like these types of things. Like those are feelings that you're, you're getting, like whether you want to believe in a spirit or a soul or your body, whatever the fucking word you want to use, but it's like, that's telling you something like that's a red alert. Like that's telling you that, you know, maybe the behaviors you're taking, like anxiety is a little bit different than shame, obviously, because they could be rooted back to some sort of a trauma. And then there's something that comes up and brings it, brings it up. But at the end of the day, both of them are signals from your body, like saying, you know, maybe there's something you got to work on, man. Like you said, you're falling short a little bit somewhere. And yeah, perhaps you got to look yourself in the mirror and figure out what the fuck you got to do and who the fuck you really are. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, uh, again, like you said, anxiety can be a bit different, but they're all on the spectrum of human emotion, man. Like that's, you know, we all experience it. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, they, there's obviously uh, mental health issues and people who need help with, with uh, some of the really heavily reoccurring feelings of that, but you know, it's, it's part of the experience of life. You know, it's, it's, it sucks, but it, it a lot of the time I'm, I have the same mindset. I just try to, to learn whatever I can when I am in those ruts or when I am feeling that way, it's like, and I'm lucky, you know, I'm not prone to depression. I'm not prone to anxiety. I'm lucky that way. I'm just, I'm not genetically predisposed for that, but I, um, yeah, I, I take whatever lessons I can when I am feeling that way, because I know, you know, I'm probably falling short of something or I did something that I know that I can do better or whatever the case may be. I, Again, I try to learn from from everything, every shortfall that I have. All right. So, I, like, I know we're coming up on an hour, but I uh, I would, did want to chat with you a little bit more. I do. I don't know how much time you got tonight, but I got a little bit more time. So, if you're down to, I got a couple more questions for you. Does that work? Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Sweet. I was going to ask you a question now. Here, the, the, we're in risk of uh, Cancelville again, so I'm going to give you the heads up on that, but. I mean, like, this is something I just thought of because of this conversation. I'm sure you've kind of thought of this as well, but like with young, with young boys, like how do you kind of go through like when they are dealing with things? Cause there's definitely times where you do have to kind of stifle your emotions and kind of, you know, put them under wraps so you can complete whatever fucking task you're working on. But there's also the flip side of that, where it's kind of poisonous to start telling people like, you got to man the fuck up and not cry. Like, where do you kind of like draw the line? And like, how do you kind of teach that aspect to your children? Because like, it is such a weird, it's something that I never spoke with my father. And like, you know, I talk about it with my buddies. Like I said, there's definitely times you do have to kind of stifle your emotions where it's kind of like, this isn't the appropriate time to kind of discuss this, or this isn't the appropriate time to really have your meltdown. But like, it is kind of toxic, obviously, to sweep things under the rug. You said, 
you know, earlier in relationships, it can manifest in very evil ways. And we've seen in obviously bullies and other people, like it manifests in pretty horrible ways. Like, how do you navigate around that having four young boys, man? That one's tricky because I'm, you know, I'm not the best at uh, showing or displaying emotions. Uh, but at the same time, like, I mean, it's funny, me and my wife had talked about this probably a couple of weeks ago, but I, with our son specifically, a lot of the time it's um, what we try to discuss with him is what's the, what's the purpose of his emotion? Because there's sometimes where, or we'll ask him like, you know, what's behind it? Like, are you tired? Most of the time it's, he, he's tired. Like I'm, I'm thinking of our 10 year old, like our, our five-year-old he'll, it's really obvious when they're younger, like, Oh, he's tired. Like let's, you know, it's time for a nap. But when they get a bit older, you know, they start to develop other things too. Like, so we ask him, what's the motivation behind it? Because if he'll get, you know, a little cut or a little scratch, and then he'll be pouting about it for an hour. We're like, well, does it hurt? And he's like, well, not really. And we're like, okay, well then are you doing this for attention? And he'll be like, well, sort of. And we're like, well, sorry. Like, well, you know, will attend to it but you know at the same time you're trying to balance out like am i not showing enough attention am i you know there's a lot of that too but you know we tell them that as long as you're not trying to elicit like an emotional response from somebody else like you're not trying to get somebody to feel sorry for you when you're crying like if you're actually this is the emotion you're feeling then let it out like that's fine and if you're tired all right well then we'll deal with that too but if this is an emotion you're actually feeling then let it out but if you're trying to elicit an emotional response or trying to get something out of it trying to get your brother in trouble because that's another thing too is that you know they'll milk an injury to try to get their brother in trouble right so as a parent it's just tough to yeah it's tough because at the same time i don't think there was ever a spotlight on this kind of stuff when we were younger like i never had this discussion ever so you're i'm trying to learn and trying to read about it at the same time and then trying to instill that into my kids the best that i can I can act it out. None of us are perfect. You know, I'm going to fall short. Sometimes maybe I do tell them to, to, you know, stop crying early or, you know, when I shouldn't, but you know, some it's for us, like we just ask him what the motivation is behind it. Like, are you trying to get, are you trying to get us to feel sorry for you or are you in pain? Like, and do you need us to address it? And, you know, that's the discussion that we have with them quite frequently. And now we don't actually have to have that discussion very often anymore because, he understands if he's in pain, he cries. If he's, if something's really bothering him, he gets emotional. But if he's just looking to try to get, get a bit of attention or something out of it, then he doesn't. And he'll just explain himself. Like he'll even say, he's like, well, I just feel like you guys aren't paying enough attention. They'll be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like that's all you needed to say. And he knows that now. So I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. Like I'm learning too. Right. I don't have all the answers, but that's at least what we've been trying to employ and just, uh, it seems to be working if he's if he's just open about how he's feeling then it it goes a lot longer we aren't playing guessing games and we aren't getting frustrated when really all he wants is some more attention yeah that makes perfect sense man but like real talk do you follow those same guidelines for yourself as well you think you you think you fall more on like the man up and stifle your emotions or do you kind of like share these things when you are suffering like like real talk i'm asking you to be, be vulnerable right now like do you Cause it's so easy to give the advice to other men, you know, like yeah. talking, yep. you're fucking hurting or, you know, et cetera. Like, do you, do you kind of use those same guidelines for yourself? Do you think you figured that out? Uh, not perfectly. That's for sure. Um, but I have, you know, there's certain relationships and again, like I'm lucky with my wife, like 
um, my wife, I'll be open about with anything like if, and it's pretty obvious, like when I'm upset about something, it usually comes out for me in like, um, kind of frustration or anger, but then she can tell she's like, well, what's going on? And she's like, was it just a bad day at work or what's going on? And then she'll kind of coax it out of me. I'm not very good at just opening up about anything. Um, but you know, like that's, that's usually kind of, she can tell when I'm, when I'm off. And as far as to other guys, like I just try to be open to other people. Like I'll, you know, when I ask one of my buddies, like, Hey, how's it going? And if they're, if you can tell it's not going all that, all that well, then you just kind of, you prod a little bit more, but at the same time, I don't want to prod too much. Right. It's, it's, if they don't want to share, they don't want to share. That's not, that's, that's not the issue. I'm not going to try to pull it out of them, but you know, just poke a little bit more, be like, are you sure, man? Like things seem off. And you know, I have a relationship like that with one of my buddies who he'll say that to me, like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I've got, I've got a relationship with, well, two guys where I'll kind of be the one to prod a little bit. Like, are you sure, man? Cause things seem off and then they'll open up a little bit. So yeah, it's important. It's important to, to have those relationships. And if you don't, it's, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is it's very hard to cultivate. Like it is really hard to find those type of people, um, who you feel like you can open up to. Um, again, like I'm lucky because I have it in my wife and I've got it in like two friends who I can, who I can open up to a little bit, but not a little bit, I can open up a lot to them, but, um, it's, uh, it's finding those relationships and it's being open to it too. Like I try to be as open as I can because I do want to be that person that people can come to. I'm not going to blab about it. I'm not going to, you know, discuss it with anybody else. I I'm there, but um, it's trying to cultivate those relationships. That's, that's really difficult. And that's the unfortunate part of it. Yeah. And do you think that like those types of relationships are built because someone is vulnerable first? Like, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. I feel like, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. you can't, you can't be vulnerable unless you have that relationship, but those relationships don't really cultivate until you're vulnerable with somebody. You know what I mean? Like, which do you think comes first? Cause I guess there's no real right answer for that. That's kind of just, I guess, a guess, but where, where do you kind of fall on that? You're right. And I think, I think you have to be open to it first, right? Like I think, um, I think if you put up a wall, then nobody is going to, you know, to try to poke through it or then expect you to care about them. Right. So it is, you know, you do have to be a bit open about that and you're going to get, you know, burnt, uh, especially when you're younger, like, I don't know. And that's the difficult part of all of it is when you're going through a lot of the shit, um, it's harder to build up those relationships because in high school, there's so many other things going on, right? Like people are trying to impress other people or, you know, there's a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy that goes along in high school it has to do with all the emotions. And then by the time you're like an adult man, you've already been burnt so many times. It's like, well, I'm not opening up again. And that's the hardest part. But at the same time, like, I think a lot of the time, like you think about yourself, like how much have you changed since high school? Like, I know I was a shithead in high school, like not, not in every aspect. I wasn't a horrible kid, but you know, I wouldn't be opening up to anybody or really listening to anybody else. But now at this age, like I'm open to people talking to me about their problems. So I can reasonably assume that if I've got good friends and we've been friends for a long time, they've probably opened up too. And that's, that's something that's kind of key, but you're right. It is the chicken and the egg. It's like, all right, who's going to go first here? Like, <laughs> you know, but uh, just be open and really, you know, sometimes all it takes is just that first prod. Like if, if you notice your buddy's down and I, uh, you know, he says, oh, I'm good, man. Like things are going well. And you're like, are you sure? Like, are you really sure you seem off? 
And maybe that's all it is. Then you open up the floodgates, they'll pour onto you, you'll pour onto them. And then everybody feels a lot better by the end of it. But you're right. It's tricky trying to open those up, but uh, I think it's part of maturation too. And that, that sucks because I don't know what message that gives to high school guys, to teenage guys, because I don't have an answer for that. Um, but I'm just trying to cultivate it in my kids and hopefully they'll be more open to it when they're teenagers. Yeah. It's so funny, man, because I, yeah, it's such a weird fine line because I know like with friendships, like Aiden, even for example, like him and I were just talking this weekend, we were, we went camping and we were talking about how our friendship has developed over the years. Cause I've actually known him since I was 18. And mm-hmm. like I said, I'm 26 now and uh, we're living together. But when we first met, he was like a friend of a friend and likewise of myself. Like I was just a friend of a friend to him. And we had met because, you know, believe it or not, I know I don't probably look like it right now, but I was competing in bodybuilding at the time. And so was he. He actually made it way further than I did, ended up going to nationals. And so really like our relationship was just, we should just head to the gym, trade training tips, trade nutrition tips, like kind of like he helped me a lot with my posing and even just like with my confidence feeling, getting ready for my first show. And uh, it wasn't until probably like the last like two years where I was like, this guy's like my best buddy. Like, this is like my guy. And I think that for us, like looking back at it, I think that it wasn't until like we both kind of went through something like a breakup with a partner or something like that, where we actually started talking to each other about these things where our relationship started developing and to, to the point where I was like, you know, all my other buddies are, you know, kind of not on this level where like I can actually just approach them and talk to these guys. And now, you know, aside from yourself and a couple other guys that I know, like he's one of the only guys that I sit down and can actually bounce ideas off of and talk about things like philosophical or, or spiritual problems or any problems like emotional problems that I'm dealing with. Like it's, it's kind of funny. Cause I think back, like I'm trying to think of times where I've shared information with people and it came back to bite me in the ass. The only one I can think of off the top of my head was like a couple years back. I think like I had just met this chick and we weren't like romantically involved at all. It was like, again, a friend of a friend. And I thought that we were friends and I started sharing a little bit about like my depression and anxiety. And then the next day, the the mutual friend that we had was like, dude, you shouldn't talk about things like that with people yeah. you just met. And it's like, okay, well this bitch obviously went and fucking talked to him. And I'm thinking yeah. in my head, I'm like, fuck man, I shouldn't share shit like that. And it's such a weird fine line. Like, I don't know. Have you dealt with stuff like that? Well, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, cause we all get burnt when we're younger. Like I think everybody has a story like that, you know, especially guys, because like you said, we're not supposed to really have emotions like, you know, historically or the way it's, you know, we were all brought up. It's like, no, like just suck it up, uh, deal with it your own on your own and don't let anybody know about it. Right. And, you know, there are times where that is, kind of necessary or where you have to kind of gauge your words or, you know, you want to, I don't know, because at the same time, you don't want to overshare about everything and get emotional about everything. Like, you know, it's tough to say, but you're gonna, you become a drain on people. Like there is a fine line on this. Like there are some things that you just have to deal with. Like they're parts of life. They suck. Like, I I don't know how else to put it. There's stuff that you're going to go through that is going to suck but realize that everybody else is going through the same stuff. But then there are times where it's like, I got to talk about this and you've have to have those kind of relationships. And again, it's, I don't have much advice for, you know, teenage guys or younger guys. Cause I didn't have this, this idea personally until I got into my mid to late twenties. That was the only time that I really started to open up about it. But 
you've got to have those kind of relationships. And again, you're probably right. It does probably come down to you being open or at least vulnerable. Um, yeah, like just open for a conversation, open for something like that first, but then it'll open up. And then, you know, you've got that type of friend for life generally. Like once, once you kind of get out of that younger kind of idiotic envious stage where, you know, everybody's stabbing everybody in the back. Once you start to mature a little bit, that guy's going to have your back and they're going to, they're going to open up to you too. And then it's, it's just, it's a support network, right? It's um, yeah. But again, it's not easy to cultivate and everybody gets burnt. I think through high school, it's just trying to open up again is the most difficult part. Yeah. And I think like uh, even just reflecting on back what I just said, I think that you kind of nailed it. Like there's kind of like an idea of like oversharing and like mm -hmm. coming back to what you said about your son earlier, it's like, why are you sharing? Like, yeah. is it because you're hurting and you're looking for solutions for people? Or are you sharing this just to get like attention or like, what, what could it possibly be? I think as well, like, and this is something that maybe seems obvious to someone that's listening to this right now, but it's something that I'm just working through. Like, as we have this conversation, I think it also has to do with like the timing of it, not just like yeah. in terms of like when you're having the conversation, like during the day or like what you're doing, like the, the actual literal setting of the conversation, but I mean like the time in the relationship. Cause like, I know with like Aiden, like I'm looking over at and he's studying on the couch right now, but I know with him, like it was years before we started to actually have this, the relationship at the quality that it is now, like mm -hmm. where the communication is so fine, where, you know, if I'm fucking up or he's fucking up and obviously we're roommates, he, he can be like, dude, you're being a fucking idiot. Or I can be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Where we right. didn't have that before. So I think, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's oversharing and maybe like premature sharing is, I guess, the best way I could say it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, you got to build up trust, right? Like, it takes it takes time to build up trust, and then one misstep and it's gone, and it may be gone forever. Like, you may try to rebuild it, but it it could be gone forever. And I mean, you know, it's even the same old adage of like, pick your battles, and that's that's true. Like, you have to pick your spots. You're not gonna you know, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to wear yourself out trying to fight every single battle in any relationship you're in. It's the same with, again, you know, oversharing, you're going to exhaust people around you. If every single thing you, you, you talk about, you've got to, got to really air your grievances out, but you know, find somebody who, who you can lean on when you need to. And, you know, it build yourself up too. again, a lot of that comes down to like, you know, a little bit of a, uh, self-reliance uh self-responsibility and you know you can handle a lot of stuff and then it's funny because it's kind of uh yeah it, it's just ironic but like if you're the type who people know that you're you're able you're self-confident you're 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 a fully developed person when you do have a problem they are so much more open to helping you because they're like holy shit like this guy he is you know he tries to be self-reliant he tries to you know govern his emotions he tries to take things in stride and and really does his best and now he needs help like he must really need help and they're actually going to be more responsive to it if you are more choosy in when you you look for it because yeah i don't know it's a it's a funny relationship the way that is but if you're if you're somebody who is fairly capable and then you run into hard times like people are much more receptive to helping you because they know that you you generally do are able to deal with your stuff so this must be something that's really bad yeah and i think the last thing i could think of now that i especially now that i'm looking back and we're having this conversation it's like you know when you are vulnerable like that especially when you you do have that kind of rapport built or that relationship built it's like 
having those types of conversations as shitty as it might be to get burnt, like it kind of does expose the real, it exposes mm-hmm. the realness and it exposes the fakeness. And, you know, maybe it sucks when you get burnt by that person right then and there. But like, I guess like looking back at my situation, it's like, I'm pretty thankful that it was just like one guy at one time. And it was just one thing I shared. Obviously it was fucking embarrassing at the time, but it's like, well, I figured out who the fuck's real and who the fuck's fake. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna weed out, you know, who's real in your life, who's there for you. Again, it sucks. <laughs> like it's, there's no ifs, ands or buts about that. Like when you go through a situation like that, it hurts, and it'll hurt for a while. And it may, you know, ruin your trust for other people or for opening up for a while. But again, it's just about trying to find those relationships. There's a lot of people who are in the same boat. Like that's another thing that you know, everybody seems to think that we're dealing with this thing alone, that nobody else could possibly imagine what I'm going through. People know what you're going through. People are going through the exact same thing. They also have nobody to talk about and think they're alone. And, you know, like, that's one thing I like about your podcast is you like to stress that is that you are not alone. And people aren't alone in this stuff, no matter what you're going through, somebody has already gone through it. Somebody has dealt with it successfully, somebody succumbed to it, and somebody else is going through it at the same time. But there's, you know, there's answers out there, there's help. Um, It's just about looking for it. I mean, maybe it's in a book, maybe it's in a video online, or maybe it is in your best friend who maybe he's going through the same thing, and you guys just haven't opened up about it yet. But um, helps out there. You know, it's, it's just, searching for it, knowing the right questions to ask. And again, knowing how to be open so that somebody else can open up to you. Right. hundred percent. Dude. I hundred, I love that. Like, I think that they, yeah, I guess that's really like one of the only two ways to figure out who your real friends are. It's like when you're vulnerable like that and when you got to move, that's like kind of like the two ways to figure <laughs> out who your real fucking friends are, man. But yeah, man, have kids. You've always got an excuse to not help for moving and nobody questions your friendship. They're just like, Oh, he's got kids. He can't do it. They don't even ask me anymore. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Especially cause you have a truck too. Like once you have a truck, you're like the first person your buddies call when they got to move, man. Exactly. Dude, that's so funny. And fuck, I was going to say one other thing. I was going to just, I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Dude, every time we make a fucking joke like that, I get distracted. But I think that's so, no, dude, that's wicked. That's absolutely wicked. What were you just saying? Remind me. Uh, I don't know. We were talking about opening it up, being vulnerable. Uh, Then, uh, yeah, I don't know, just different solutions to the problems and that everybody is going through them. You know, uh, that's it. That's it. That's exactly it. That's what I was about to say is even like assuming, like, I don't know how many fucking people have lived on this planet in the entire history of this planet. But if you were to just assume that the fucking nearly 8 billion people existing right now, like if you seriously think that you're the only one dealing with this, like to be one in 8 billion is absolutely nuts. Like there's no way that you're just the individual one off in 8 billion people. Like even if you're one in a million, there's 8,000 fucking people like you, exactly Mm -hmm. like you. And uh, I just did a quick Google search while we're talking. It says 107 billion people have ever lived. So the chances that somebody has gone through the exact same thing, you're pretty high. Exactly. So like, like you said, there's obviously someone that's dealt with it in the past has is dealing with it right now or we'll deal with it in the future. So talking about it is either going to let you gain the information from the people that have already dealt with this, gain some information, or at least not feel alone from people that are dealing with it right now. And then furthermore, if you do talk about it, 
like a podcast like this, like in five, 10, 15 years, assuming that I'm not dead and canceled and buried in the internet dooms world, someone could listen to this and be like, fuck, man, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. There's there's so many resources out there, right? Especially nowadays. Um, I know it, there's a lot more of a light being shone on mental health, which is great. Um, you know, everybody's people have dealt with it since probably the dawn of man. I don't know for sure, but more than likely. And, uh, you know, it's coming to the forefront now and it's great. So there's, there's a lot of resources out there. It's just trying to find them and, and asking the right questions. Dude, that's beautiful. I think that's a beautiful place to wrap this place up as well. Uh, so Zach, man, thank you again. Like I said, I'm not just pumping your tires right now. For those of you listening, like this is someone that I actually do look up to. And these questions are genuine. Like these are things that I'm trying to figure out as a young man. And so I'm asking someone else about it as well. So I encourage you to do the exact same. Zach, thank you so much for being on here. I got to say, I, I love it, man. I'm glad that after six and now seven episodes, we haven't ran out of things to talk about. And I know that we're going to do an episode probably coming up on your show. So I know you'll probably have a plan so that we don't run out of shit to talk about as well, because you seem to be a lot more organized and planned out and methodical than I am. But I got to say, thank you so much, brother, for being on here again. Um, I want you to give yourself a plug one more time. Encourage anybody to come and check you out. Sell yourself right now to my fans, <laughs> anybody that listens to this. But uh, yeah, bro, thank you so much. And you know the drill. You have to share some sort of positive message, motivating message, inspirational message. I guess if I had to suggest it, you could talk about that anxiety or that fear, like kind of moving into the career path that you're wanting to move into. Maybe the advice you're giving yourself. I don't know. But the floor is yours, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And you know what? I, you were the one who kicked my ass in gear to, to start a podcast of my own. So, you know, don't sell yourself short. I like, I love listening to your episodes every day. They're released, uh, you know, you're twice a week and uh, yeah. So thank you. I really like your message too. And as far as uh, a word of advice or I guess, yeah, a word of advice. I mean, for myself going through all this situations right now, and it's kind of something that I talk about a lot on my podcast, but it's always, you know, I like to reference to it as brick by brick, you know, being construction, you don't build a house, you know, you don't, you don't drop a whole wall into place. Well, if you're doing tilt up, you are not, not part of the discussion, but you'll build it brick by brick. You know, it's one step at a time. That's what I'm trying to do. Looking at, you know, buying this company, moving into a, another scary venture. It's, you know, it's one step at a time. What do I have to do today? All right. What's the next step? And it's, it's just taking it one task at a time. That's, that's the way you can really, you have to look at just about any daunting task ahead of you. You aren't going to get it all done in a day. You know, um, it's, it's step by step. So really deal with it that way. You have little incremental goals that you can accomplish along the way. And then before you know it, you've, you've built the whole building. So that's all that I can really leave with you. And uh, as far as selling myself, I've never been a salesman. I'm a tradesperson. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, uh, I can't sell anything, but for my podcast, it's again, it's, it's tackling a lot of these bigger ideas. I just had on, you know, a couple of guests, we talked about uh, the value of work ethic and just the values ingrained in the trades. Uh, I also had on Ed, who's from a philosophy podcast. Again, I've had Mark on three times. I've had some awesome guests on, talking about the the idea of legacy of forgiveness and of overcoming family trauma that was the most recent episode but it's all about breaking down the stereotypes of blue collar tradespeople oh you know we aren't we aren't all stupid we aren't all dumb we think about a lot of things a lot deeper than you may think and uh 
that's really what the podcast is all about. I've been having a blast doing it. I have no intention of stopping. And so that's the plaid jacket philosopher. You can find it on any of the big podcast platforms. I'm not great at social media, but my Instagram is at plaid jacket philosopher. Twitter is at jacket plaid and Facebook is the plaid jacket philosopher. So I'd appreciate it if you check it out. And uh, if not, hopefully you enjoyed this discussion and found something meaningful in it. I love it. Thank you so much. Much love and peace out, everybody. Thank you for listening. See you, man.